Welcome to the Free to Be More podcast by the Enoch Pratt Free Library. I'm your host, Megan McCorkle. This podcast series features conversations with leaders and innovators having a positive impact in our city. Let's get started. Your journey starts here. Drawing more visitors to Baltimore. It has a greater impact on Charm City residents than you may realize. Visit Baltimore CEO Al Hutchinson has been pushing Baltimore as a destination for eight years. And one of his biggest initiatives is happening right now, the CIAA basketball tournament here in Baltimore. Al Hutchinson, thank you so much for joining us. Megan, thanks for having me. Well, first of all, I want to start with this is a huge week for Baltimore. The CIAA is here. Talk to me about how much it means for that tournament to be here in Baltimore City. Well, it's a, it's a huge deal for the city as well as the state of Maryland and, and actually the, the surrounding region. Um, and the significance of it is, number one, I mean, Baltimore is, has a great basketball history. That sort of plays into that. Secondly, Bowie State University is the host institution. They're one of the 13 CIAA schools. However, Bowie State was founded here in Baltimore City. So technically, you know, they're part of the Baltimore family. Mm-hmm. So this this was significance in us bringing this tournament. It's always the last full week in February, which historically is a very slow business time of year in the city. Mm-hmm. And so with landing an event with this kind of significance brings people in from all over the country, as well as our local residents. And uh, the economic impact is huge. I mean, last year's tournament was $29.6 million in economic impact for the city which is strong. Hotels were pretty much sold out. And I I think we're going to see a continued uptick in the success of the tournament from a financial perspective. But quite frankly, Megan, the CIAA being in Baltimore is another way for all eyes to be on Baltimore. People from all across the country coming in. A lot of these folks have not been to Baltimore in years. And so this gives us an opportunity to show all the greatness about Baltimore, whether it's our food scene, our history, all the great attractions we have in Baltimore. So it's a huge opportunity for folks who may want to relocate here, buy a home here, come back to visit at another time of year. So it's so many successes for this tournament, much more than just basketball. Mm-hmm. Visit Baltimore has certainly grown um, kind of the menu of things that people can do over the week. Talk to me about some of the events outside of just the straight up basketball games. Well, when we pitched this tournament, we said to the 13 presidents that we wanted to make sure our community felt the benefit of the tournament coming to the city. And we wanted to provide some educational opportunities at a free cost to them. So this year, just like the last couple of years, we have uh, three educational sessions. One is focused on health. Another Mm -hmm. one is focused on um, financial wellness. And we have another educational session focused on technology. Each one has a panel of thought leaders here in Baltimore City and around the state. All these sessions are free and open to the public. They go to a link and they can join us at these sessions. But this is just another way for us to really get our our community involved on some topics that are very important, especially in the African-American community. So we're happy to sort of be the host of it. Visit Baltimore is the host for putting these events on. We have an independent contractor who sort of does the day-to-day for us, but this is a great event. And I I would also mention another great event, which really kicks off the tournament, is a youth clinic for both young men and young women that we have over at the Middle Branch Community Center, and that will kick off the tournament. And it's a, a great way for us to get our young folks 
involved in basketball. You know, there's conversations about leadership and the commissioner of the CIAA participates in this event. And that's another free event for the community. Mm-hmm. One of the things we get to show off in the CIAA uh, to people coming in from out of town is the restaurant scene, the Black Restaurant Tour, bigger than ever this year. What can people expect when they're looking at some of those culinary options? Because Baltimore has such an amazing culinary scene. Absolutely. And, um, you know, we're fortunate because we do have a great food scene here. And one of the local gentlemen stepped up and said, let's create a Baltimore-owned restaurant tour. And last year, there were eight restaurants that participated, and it's been such a great platform. Uh, Now we have 15 restaurants that will participate this year. And so we're very excited about it. It's a way for us to really showcase these great venues, great restaurants. We've actually produced a Black business directory that we can give to the visitors coming in so they know where to go for great food, uh, great attractions, and, and other offerings in the city. So this is all hands on deck here. It's a it's a great opportunity for all of us to really show the goodness of Baltimore. Mm-hmm. CIAA, obviously a big win, but another big win Baltimore had this year was being named one of the top places to go in 2024 by the New York Times. What does that mean for the city and what do you hope it means for tourism in the city this year? Well, first of all, I want to give our Mark Combs team just a salute for making this happen. It was their effort to get one of the New York Times writers to come into Baltimore to see what we had to offer. He fell in love with Baltimore, all the specialness of the city. And uh, he wanted to really help us to tell that story. And so from there, this is a great example of if you can get something like the New York Times, that kind of world-renowned publication to sort of sing the praises of Baltimore, it gives us a great story to celebrate. We're always trying to cut through the negative narratives and sometimes uh, not the most balanced message about Baltimore. So this New York Times uh, story is significant for us because we think it will help not only to drive visitation, and that's, visitation is extremely important, but I think it can also help us in the economic development standpoint as we look for developers to come in and do work, whether it's at Inner Harbor, Baltimore Peninsula, other areas in Baltimore that uh, we want to grow. This kind of story will help drive that kind of investment to the city. And again, it could drive new residents to Baltimore as well. So I always believe you get stories like this, you want to leverage them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talked about the CIAA. Yeah, I mean, hosting any major event can help us to garner these kind of great articles about Baltimore. So we want to celebrate this. And really, uh, I think you have international eyes on it as well. So not just domestically. So we're hoping this will be a positive trend for Baltimore. Mm -hmm. Talking about people moving to Baltimore, you have lived in cities all over the U.S., came to Baltimore in 2016, grew up in Richmond. I want to give you an opportunity to kind of tell your story and how you wound up here in Baltimore. Well, (laughs) interesting enough, I did not know anything about this industry 32 years ago. Mm-hmm. I stumbled up on it. I'm probably telling my age here, but <laughs> I found out about this industry through a, a blind newspaper ad in my hometown of Richmond. Wow. And I applied, didn't really know what I was applying for. They saw that I had Xerox sales training on my resume because that was my first job out of college. That caught the attention of the hiring board. And I found out that the job was to sell my hometown of Richmond. 
And I'm like, well, wait a minute. They will pay me to sell the city I grew up in <laughs> and I can travel the globe when somebody else is dying. I'm like, sign me up for that. I think I can do this. And so I was fortunate. They hired me with no experience in the industry, which is sort of unusual. I joined the team in Richmond, fell in love with the industry. I worked on my skill and I wanted to grow in the business. And in order to grow, I had to move around the country. So the benefit of that was I moved to cities like Charlotte, North Carolina, Pittsburgh, Virginia Beach for 13 years. I went down to Mobile, Alabama as my first CEO gig. and I was there for two and a half years. This industry has afforded me the opportunity to really see the world, but also to tell great stories about destinations. Every community that I worked in sort of prepared me for this work here in Baltimore. Now, I've been here eight years now. I love what I do in Baltimore. I always say Baltimore is a bigger version of Richmond. They have very similar attributes, some similar challenges. And so Baltimore never really intimidated me. I felt Uh like coming back, I was coming back home because I'm an East Coast guy. And so I looked forward to helping to better tell the story about, I believe, one of the most special places in America. Mm-hmm. What are the things that make the city of Baltimore stand out? What makes it different than other places you've lived and worked in? Well, I think one of the things about Baltimore that sometimes we may take for granted is just the passion that the people who live here have in Baltimore. The Baltimoreans love this city with its warts, its downside, its challenges, its opportunity. They embrace all of Baltimore. They mm-hmm. wear it on their sleeve. They love it. And you have over 200 neighborhoods and each one is a little unique and different, but very special. And I think that's really one of the beauties of Baltimore, the passion of the people. And that brings you in. It actually, if you know, I didn't grow up in Baltimore, but I felt that passion day one. I felt the love of the community. And I think that's one of the strengths of this community. And that's something from a Visit Baltimore perspective We try to take that love that the citizens have of Baltimore and express it in voices, whether in music, whether in storytelling to people around the globe, because I think that is one of the most special things about this community that we we want to celebrate the real passion and love of the people here in the city. The Imagination Celebration is back at the Enoch Pratt Free Library. The magical month of events kicks off Saturday, April 6th, when Pratt Central Library is transformed into the storybook Mary Had a Little Plan by Tammy Sauer. This free family festival is designed for our youngest library card users. Saturday, April 6th, starting at 10 a.m. at the Central Library. Details at prattlibrary.org. Does it make it a challenge because there are so many neighborhoods and people are so passionate to be able to tell the stories of each of those neighborhoods? Because as you said, people are passionate. I live in Brewers Hill and someone said to me the other day, oh, you're in Canton. I'm like, no, I am not. (laughs) And I feel like everybody is like that too. And when you have so many neighborhoods and so much passion around it, it's got to be challenging to tell all those stories. No, Megan, I think you're spot on. I live in Locust Point. And so- You're absolutely right. Every community is special. And the folks who live in those neighborhoods, they feel their neighborhood is the best of the best, right? Uh And so, you know, when we went through a rebranding back in 2019, that was one of our challenges of how do we tell this story? Because everybody feels they have something that's very important 
that's uh-huh. a part of the fabric of Baltimore. So how do you bring it all together? And so I think that's, uh, that is sort of like a science to do that. <laughs> but I think what's important is you want voices from everywhere to be a part of your storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I think far too often, especially in the, in the travel space, we were not including everybody's voices in Baltimore to tell the story. We were just mm-hmm. looking at maybe one neighborhood, which for the most part, it was downtown. Uh-huh. And so in 2019, we really tried to go in a different direction and make sure we had voices at the table, whether it's men, women, black, white, gay, straight, a part of this storytelling, because everybody has a special story to tell about Baltimore. We need all of those voices to make sure we're telling authentic and a true Baltimore story. How vital is the success of tourism to Baltimore and to the average citizens who live here in Baltimore? That's a great question. So I think the travel and tourism space sometimes is an industry that's somewhat taken for granted. I think a lot of folks may not know the value. Arguably, it's the third largest employment industry in Baltimore. It was definitely impacted because of COVID. A lot of folks left the industry. A lot of the folks who left did not come back. But it's still very significant. And I'll say this is the reason why the tourism industry is very significant is because of a couple of reasons. Number one, the tax revenue that it brings in. Mm-hmm. You know, in 2022, about $3 billion was left in this community because of tourism. And if not for tourism, if not for Visit Baltimore, telling the stories about the greatness of Baltimore across the country and across the world, that money would not have been left in our community. Uh And so when a visitor comes in for a leisure traveler, they go to the National Aquarium, the Reginald Lewis, they go to Dunner, they may buy a ticket now to CFG Bank Arena. They're leaving a lot of money in this community and then they go home wherever they live, one of the five surrounding counties or maybe in Virginia or D.C. or Philly. And we don't have to educate their kids. We don't have to pay their health insurance. We're not making a contribution to their retirement. It's a clean industry. They're bringing, dropping money in this industry or in the city that now the general fund in Baltimore can grow and do other city core businesses that they would not be able to do without this money. It has a very positive financial story. But the other piece of the story is the workforce development side of it. I mentioned how I got into this industry. There are a number of folks in Baltimore who started off maybe working at a hotel front desk or working at a restaurant, just waiting tables. And they were able to advance their career in this industry. And some of those folks now are hotel general managers. Uh Some of them, we have an African-American gentleman who has his own hotel management company. He started off in the housekeeping space in a hotel. So there are a lot of great career pathway stories of folks in Baltimore who work in this industry that have been able to start in one place and have grown. And I think that's a story we should be telling to other young folks in Baltimore and around the region, that there are career pathways. You can start at one level, but you fall in love with it. You become great at it. The world's your oyster. You can own a hotel. You can run your own business. And so that's a piece of the story that we want to continue to tell at Visit Baltimore. No doubt the economics makes sense, but I think this is one of those industries that it has a good workforce development piece. Everybody can't go tech. I know I couldn't. (laughs) So I think this is an opportunity that we want to continue to tell 
on the high school level, the community college level, and the four-year college degree level that this is an industry worth seeking and worth giving an opportunity for career pathways. You touched on it a little bit, 2020, uh, the pandemic certainly had a huge impact on your industry. How kind of has COVID set us back and where are we on that path to climbing the mountain again? Yeah, COVID, you know, our industry, travel industry, just like most, were impacted really tough from that. And as I always say, COVID, you know, there was no playbook. None of us knew how to navigate it. We were trying to design the plane and fly it at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so on our industry here in Baltimore, we went from a $13 million operation to now we went down to seven million. We're back to about eight million today. Uh-huh. So almost like a 61, 62% cut in overall operations. We went from a 65 person operation to a 35 person operation. So we took a hit and you know, nobody was traveling. So several hotels closed up, a lot of restaurants closed up. What we did as an entity, we sort of shifted our focus. We were trying to keep a lot of our businesses open. And we wanted to support a lot of our industry, small businesses who didn't really know how to navigate the space. So overnight, we were focused on how do we provide PPE to organizations that they're looking for resources? How can we help them find money either on the state level, the local level? So we became the go-to industry to sort of help a lot of small businesses to survive. And so that two plus year period was very challenging for our operation. We closed our visitor center for two and a half years down at Inner Harbor. But I think now, Megan, the good news is now we're in 2024, we're slowly coming back. We're not where we were pre-COVID yet. In some areas we are, but in most places we're not. But beginning to slowly come back, folks are back traveling. We're beginning to try to get the word out more about everything we have to offer in Baltimore, just like a lot of our competitive cities are doing. But I think the best days are in front of us and a lot of good product is coming online. And what happened at Lexington Market renovation is awesome. What's going at Penn Station renovation, Baltimore Peninsula, the new work that's going to be done at Harbor Place. There are a lot of good news stories and hopefully something good will happen at the convention center sometime soon. So I believe that in the travel space, the next three to five years is going to be a very exciting time here in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. You touched on the harbor. I mean, years ago, I used to live in D.C. I went to college in D.C. And when you'd come up to Baltimore, that was what you did. You went and you visited the harbor. And I know in your latest annual report, about 20% of people surveyed said that the harbor is the top thing that they think makes Baltimore unique. And we've seen Harbor Place itself be in decline for some years now. So I know there's a lot of opinions about the revitalization, but how vital is it for that section of Baltimore to see some major change to draw more people into Baltimore? It's vitally important to us. I mean, if you think about the Inner Harbor, that's the heartbeat of our city, right? It's in the Central Business District, but that's an incredible natural resource of a body of water cutting into our downtown. And I would say most communities in this country can't say they have a body of water in their downtown corridor. Uh -uh. So that's a huge advantage for us. There's no doubt, you know, 40 plus years ago when Inner Harbor first came on board, that's what put Baltimore on the map from a travel standpoint. It was the first of its kind. Folks from other communities came to see it because it was a, a big news story. Folks wanted to know what was happening in Baltimore. And a lot of communities took that 
economic impact or economic development and they took it back to their communities and they built whatever was the big gym in their community. Uh-huh. And so I believe that we have a huge opportunity now. What's the next renaissance of what Harbor Place should look like? And as that's being vetted and debated and talked about, the bottom line is we need Harbor Place to be successful because uh-huh. it will, again, help us. It's a job creator, number one. It's definitely going to drive attention to Baltimore from a visitation perspective, but it also drive outside investment. And so I think this is a huge opportunity for us, excited about what the Bramble team will do with that space, but it's critically important. No doubt it connects to the work the Visit Baltimore team does on a daily basis, but I think bigger than that, it's a great Baltimore story of what that's going to look like. And uh, I think people around the country are going to be jealous as to where we go and what we do, because now they're going to say, okay, what's our next step? because Baltimore has made a big play and we need to do something. It's a very competitive industry, especially in the travel space, because mm-hmm. you're, we're after that same visitor that Philly wants, DC wants, Nashville wants, Charlotte wants. And so you have to make sure you have the, what's the next ride that's gonna get uh, people excited about coming to see you. Does your student need help with their algebra homework? Free online tutoring in any subject is available with your Pratt Library card. There's even an online writing lab to help with those term papers. Head to prattlibrary.org and search Homework Help to be connected to a live tutor every day during after-school hours. You're free to be more at the Pratt. And I know they're getting feedback about Harbor Place right now. How important for you is that that area becomes sort of of Baltimore and by Baltimore because, and this is just my interpretation, you're the expert. It seems like tourists, if you're going to a city now, you really want to go where the local people go. You don't want to go to the tourism areas. So how important is it to make Harbor Place a place for locals so that tourists want to go there? Yeah, that, that's a great point, uh, Megan. You know, I have the fortune of traveling all over mm-hmm. and what I hear and what the trends say is the traveler does not want cookie cutter anymore. Uh They go to cities that have a very unique and sort of local experience. And so to your question, I believe for Harbor Place to be successful when it opens and also for the future, it has to be all about Baltimore. It has to showcase our small business owners, you know, people of color, women-owned businesses. It has to really show the flavor of Baltimore because that's what makes us special. And as to your point, as we travel, we don't want to go to chains. We want to go to places that represents that community. So I think we have an opportunity to figure it out. Per capita, we probably have uh, more exciting small business owners in Baltimore than most places. And we have a lot of talented and smart people here just doing some really great work. So I believe that we have an opportunity with Whatever happens with Harbor Place, it's going to truly represent and show the beauty and the power of Baltimore. And uh, I think we're going to be the place that people begin to look at and said, we need to do something very similar to what they're doing in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. 
just a couple blocks away from the Harbor Baltimore Convention Center. Convention's still a major, major business for us. Yet the convention center really does need some sprucing up. I know that's something you talked about during the Visit Baltimore annual meeting. What is really your plea for how to modernize the convention center? Because I know that there's a lot of competition out there when you're competing to get conventions here in our city. Yes. And, um, let me first say, I'm excited about where we are today. I think with the leadership of our board chair, we're having great conversations with our Baltimore City delegation, the mayor's office, and now with the state about what's the next step for the Baltimore Convention Center. Last, in 2022, 51 events met at the Convention Center, brought in almost $140 million in economic impact to the community, which is a good news story, but the, where we have opportunity we're losing a lot of business because our customers are going to communities who have invested in product, i.e. Charlotte, Pittsburgh, Nashville, Cleveland. All these communities are our competitors, Louisville, Kentucky, Columbus, Ohio. They've invested in their tourism infrastructure, and we haven't. And so the customer, when they start looking at where they're going to go, and they look at our product convention center, which... Um, hasn't been renovated in 25 years. It's still a nice building, but it doesn't have the technology they're looking for, doesn't have the look and feel they're looking for. So they go to these other communities. I think the exciting part now is that we're at a point, we're having these conversations that we can take it to the next step. We know the customers want to come to Baltimore, but they want and need a different product. And so I'm hopeful that as we go through this conversation with state leadership and city leadership, that we can get to a point that we can modernize and renovate the convention center. Hopefully, we'll know more next year this time as to what exactly we can do. We have to continue to have conversations with the governor and the mayor. But I think it's exciting because I think the business case has been made that Mm -hmm. this convention center can drive business. And if we can step the game up some We can be much more competitive around the country and and drive a lot of conventions and conferences that we're losing today. Mm -hmm. Does it give you hope when you look at redevelopment right around that area, specifically the redevelopment of CFG Bank Arena and Lexington Market and the impact those are already having on that community? Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, uh, I think all of us, when you travel around, you want to see cranes in the ground, right? You want to see growth happening in communities. And sometimes... With growth, there's some pain because it's congestion. There may be some street closures. But once you get on the other side of that, the uplift, now you look at the beauty of Lexington Market, what that looks like, what CFG Bank Arena has done the last year, uh, driving concerts in on a Monday night or Tuesday night, when in the past, we would not even been on the tour. When those bands come to a city like Baltimore on a Monday night, the uptick in our restaurant community, in the hotel community is significant. And again, at the end of the day, we can never lose sight of the fact when this kind of momentum happens, there's job creation. People are at work. So mommy and daddy who live in Brewers Hill, live in Locust Point, or live in East and West Baltimore, they're working and they're making money that they can take care of their families. So I think that's the piece of the puzzle that I'm excited about. I like and love all this growth that's going on in the city. And I think we have the word I continue to use is momentum. 
right now is at a critical space. We probably have not seen this in a really, really long time. Private sector, public, city, state, we're all working to really move Baltimore forward. Mm-hmm. Another thing that has a lot of momentum in Baltimore this year, everybody loves it, are the uh, our sports teams, the Ravens and the Orioles. And while we love to see them win, it also translates to a lot of money being spent downtown. How big of an impact does it have when the Orioles and the Ravens are really playing well and going into postseason? Well, this has been a great, great time, right? The, I know. We'll take the, it. <laughs> the O's run was incredible last spring and, and uh, summer and early fall going to the playoffs, winning over 100 games in regular season. That excitement was huge. I mean, people were coming downtown on a, a weekday, spending money, enjoying themselves. The excitement of that, a young team competing every day. You want that excitement. I mean, that's one thing about sports. Two things sports can do. It can bring all people together, regardless of your economics and your gender, ethnicity, brings people together. And then if you're winning, it just injects this energy and excitement into your community that everybody's excited. Everybody's talking about the O's. And then when we move further into the fall with the Ravens, they just continued it, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the success they had this year was tremendous. The two playoff games, there was such a buzz in the city. I know our hotels were sold out, both of those games, the Texans game as well as the Chiefs games, and restaurants benefited from it. But you know, all eyes are on on the city when you're competing like that. And I think it helps the local community because all of us want to, everyone wants to be a part of a winner. So when you're living somewhere and your sports teams are doing well, you wear that pride with you because you feel like you're O's or, or you play with the Ravens. So you want to be a part of that. And then I think the outside audience looks at a community, they see us on TV, a Monday night game, a Thursday night game. And they feel the energy and it's like, wow, that's Baltimore. I had no idea. I want to be a part of that. So I think the good news for us, Megan, it's going to continue. I think the O's are going to have an unbelievable season again this year. And I think the Ravens have the, the nucleus to keep their run going. So this is a great time to be a sports fan in Baltimore for sure. <laughs> I was laughing. I was volunteering, I guess, during one of the Orioles games, I was volunteering at an event on the top of the World Trade Center. So I was able to look down and you just never seen so much orange in the streets and people flooding out of restaurants and walking around the harbor and coming off the water taxi. And it's that moment. It really swells you with so much pride to see all of these people out together enjoying our city. 100%. I think you're absolutely right. And uh, we we have to take advantage of that. And I think uh, at Visit Baltimore, our marketing team does a really great job. We partner with the O's. In fact, we're doing advertisement as we speak down in Sarasota at spring training. So Uh you'll see Visit Baltimore on the wall of the stadium there. We partner with the O's in stadium here at Camden Yards with signage. We partner with them doing the playoffs. We did the same with the Ravens. So you have to leverage it, use it for great marketing opportunities where you can. And uh, I think there's so much excitement. And uh, as you said, it's a, it's a prideful moment, but uh, nothing's like winning. I don't care what you say. <laughs> Everybody wants to be a part of a winner. Yes, exactly. Is it 
a unique time in Baltimore. It really just feels like that when you talk about momentum. I feel like we're in a position right now where a lot of the industries, the government, the big institutions, people are really working together to figure out what the future of Baltimore looks like. You've been here eight years. Have you seen a time like this before? I've seen a lot of silos and everyone working on individual projects, but it does feel like right now everyone's coming together to figure out what the future of this city looks like. I agree. I believe this is our moment in time, right? And if we go back to a sports metaphor, I mean, momentum in sports, as well as in business, as well as in economic development, it takes a lot to build momentum. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned silos, and I think that's been a part of Baltimore's challenge in the past. Everybody is speaking a different way, not all on the same sheet of music. It seems like now we're at a point where state, city, private, nonprofit, community leaders, we're all on the same sheet of music. Mm -hmm. And I think the momentum is there. This is our moment in time. And we have to make sure we take advantage of it. Because when you lose momentum, just like it's so hard to get momentum, you lose it, it's hard to regain it. Mm -hmm. So we need to take advantage of this time period. And I think the right leaders are in place, but it's going to take all of us as leaders, I don't care what industry you're in, but I think everybody's going to have a voice. We need to all pull together and uh, never forget about, it's all about trying to lead Baltimore forward and leave our egos at the door, but let's do it to uplift Baltimore, uplift the state. But I think this is our moment in time to really go out and do some very significant things. If that momentum continues and we're able to capitalize on it, what are your hopes for what Baltimore looks like 10, 20 years from now? What do you see for the future of Baltimore? Well, a couple things. I would say in my space that I work in every day, I want us to become one of those destinations of choice mm-hmm. that when a visitor is looking at, you know, I want to do a a weekend getaway or I want to do a vacation or I want to bring my convention. I want Baltimore to be that destination of choice that we're top of mind. It's like, I need, I must go to Baltimore, not in hindsight or questioning it. I want us to be top of mind. So I think from a visitation standpoint, if we continue to add product, Inner Harbor, Peninsula, Convention Center, all the great work that's going to happen around Camden Yards and m Bank Stadium, all that plays into changing the look and feel of this postcard right downtown. And so I think from a visitation standpoint, I want us to be looked at that way as the city that we must visit, but I also want Baltimore to be, and I think we have an opportunity to be one of these cities that folks say, you know, I want to live in that community. This is one of those communities that has a soul. It's not cookie cutter. It's great for entrepreneurship. It's great for, I may not look like everyone. I may not talk like everyone, but I'm, that community welcomes me. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things we've tried to lead at Visit Baltimore with our warm welcome program, because we want everybody to feel valued and respected, regardless of what you look like, regardless of where you grew up. And I think that's an advantage for Baltimore because there's so many communities, especially in America, that don't value, don't respect certain people. And so if you can build your destination that you welcome everybody, 
you want everyone to be here, you feel everyone has value and opportunity, you're going to be one of those special destinations that folks will say, I want to raise my kids there. I want to open a business there. I want to own a home there. And the communities who don't embrace that, they're going to lose out. And so I believe all the economics that Baltimore is doing, we also want to make sure that we're a very likable community and a loving community because that gives you a competitive advantage in the next 5, 10, 20 years. Mm -hmm. And it really comes down to the people in our community, which I feel like do embrace all of that. A hundred percent. Al Hutchinson, it's a pleasure speaking to another storyteller. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Well, thank you, Megan. I really appreciate it. Get help with your health at the library. Wellness at the Pratt connects library customers to in-person health assessments at select branches with nursing students from the University of Maryland School of Nursing, blood pressure screenings, nutrition advice, help finding a doctor, and more. Details at prattlibrary.org. I'm Megan McCorkle, and you've been listening to the Free to Be More podcast by the Enoch Pratt Free Library. You can follow the Pratt on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next month for another Free to Be More conversation. Thanks for listening.